Oh man, I gotta wake my ass up. I've already had a cup and a half of coffee. I'm not doing it anymore. I can't do any more coffee. I'm back. If I do more coffee, it's gonna make me just oh, I'm writing anxious. A short intro. Show intro. A short intro. Short show intro. Short show intro. Honestly, uh, we just don't need one. Let's just go right into it. <laughs> Let's just fucking. All right, uh, Doctor Who. You are first, right? Thank God. Yes, I am. I mean, it. Oh, sorry, fuck. I need to cool it on the yawning. Um, I've got my short intro. Ugh, fine. I think we have something of a cold open in this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Back to the Pilot. I'm Chase. And I'm Chloe. And today, we dive into a couple cult classics with Doctor Who and Firefly. So go ahead and drink that Kool-Aid as we take you Back to the Pilot. Wow, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about drinking Kool-Aid last night. Really? But. <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, but like don't, literally don't in that in that form. That's so funny. Yeah, I figured, you know, it's cult, it's cult classic time. It's Kool-Aid time. Is Doctor Who considered a cult classic? I th- feel like it's just always been popular. I don't fucking know. I just called it that. I'm not a professional. Guys, Chase did very little research on this entire no, I project. did a lot of research. I just didn't do the other thing. <laughs> That's valid. The one, one of the only two things that we do for this podcast. Research and watch the episodes. Research and watch the episodes. That's it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it can be a lot, especially if your research takes a while. And the Firefly episode is ungodly long. And we both have other jobs. Like, this isn't a full-time thing. And I was out of town. I mean, honestly, if anyone should have, like, b- slacked on this, it should have been me. Mm-hmm. I literally flew in yesterday. You did slack on this. You just told me that you slacked on this. But I didn't slack because I still, I got up, the way I didn't slack is I procrastinated, but I got up early this morning to do mm-hmm. everything. I feel like you're just trying to make me look bad. Yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chloe, tell me, what do you know about the show Doctor Who. I know there's like a gagillion renditions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know David Tennant was Doctor Who at one point. I think yeah. is that that I think that's the Doctor Who that Kennedy watched, right? The one with David Tennant? Probably. I know that she watched it when I was in college. That's the one that everybody watched, I think. Everybody that's that's I didn't watch it, so that's not true. That's just is simply a false statement immediately off the bat. Way to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> everybody watched that one. Everybody everybody but yeah that's the extent of my knowledge and i know that it's like a british sci-fi show and yeah i call the here's, thing the tardis that, here's what i, I wrote down um popular show among nerds fact oh mm-hmm. british fact mm-hmm. not fact. real doctors that's what i wrote um <laughs> 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 not a not a uh, medical well, you drama. Know, I can't be. I honestly, maybe they are real doctors. I don't. I don't know. You don't know, yeah? Because I mean, I he's, haven't watched the show. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. I, I'm not even going to try to speculate what makes him a real doctor or not a real doctor. So, well, I think my brief understanding of the show is that the doctor is a species, like from a specific mm. planet. Okay. Um, of doctors, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've literally, honestly, even from the pilot episode, you don't really gather what. All you gather is that they're from a different time and place. Yes, but they also like make it seem like they're from Earth. So I don't really know. 
like in the pilot episode that i watched so it's a little confusing so anyway you you yeah, it's um i'll i'll talk about it so for what it's worth for anybody listening out there whoever you may be um dad uh <laughs> dad uh, my parents <laughs> anyway for what it's worth we are we're talking about the original doctor who it came out uh in 1963 um there has been a sort of i guess you'd call it a reboot remake um which started in 2005 which is probably that's the one that people think of when they think of doctor who uh, i think more often at least people of our generation um the ones with like david tennant and like the female doctor I mean, but now are you going to talk about how many renditions there's actually been yeah but there's, really there's okay. just been two really really technically hmm, okay continue um but yeah so the title of the original pilot episode for uh doctor who was an unearthly child it aired on november 23rd 1963 on bbc uh and if you want to go watch it the only place i found was available for purchase on voodoo for two dollars but you said you've watched it with a free trial somewhere uh brit box has Brit-box. like box yeah Britbox.com is where i watched it and i guess technically it wasn't a free trial it was like a discounted monthly trial which was also two dollars mm. for me but it okay. allows you access to all of it and that's like a deal going on for like the first two months and then after that i think it's like eight bucks a month Gotcha. But it has a ton of like older, it has a ton of newer and older British television for anybody that lives not in the UK where it's like not easy to find that stuff. Cause I'm sure what? like in the UK, like it's probably on their version of Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Like, you know, what yeah, I, mean? I, I, I've never, I haven't done any research on that. Yeah. Like we live in, I know, I didn't think about that. The US. So I don't know how many listeners we have elsewhere but i imagine it would be on a streaming service of some kind in like the Other uk countries. or europe yeah maybe even yeah. canada yeah but i was able um, to watch it yeah on brickbox.com with a two dollar subscription that then turns into a seven dollar one but they have a ton of stuff cool. on there like i said so cool. that's good to know yeah i didn't see that on google so i'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that and glad you watched it somewhere else mm-hmm. um yeah synopses for um or the synopses are as follows uh, for the show, the adventures in time and space of the doctor, a time Lord who changes appearance and personality by regenerating when near death and is joined by companions in battles against aliens and other megalomaniacs. And then for the episode, two school teachers investigate the personal life of one of their brilliant students and her mysterious grandfather. Um, and it was created by, uh, it was created by Sidney Newman, C.E. Weber, and Donald Wilson. However, in doing my research, it really seems like it was mostly created by Sidney Newman and C.E. Weber and Donald Wilson were more just like they were at BBC, like just sort of they didn't create it. They were just part of the producers kind of uh, when I sort of was doing the research on them. Okay. I mean, similar like to they that. They were involved in like the formatting stuff. In the previous episode where it was like, he's listed yeah. as a creator, but he wasn't even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was in um, episode three, I believe. So not the previous episode. Oh, you're right. My apologies. I yeah. forgot that Alyssa. Just for reference. Yep. Yeah. True. Um, so anyways, so I'll just get into some background on Sidney Newman. He has quite an extensive background. So I did try to truncate a little bit, like break it down to... Um, at least like not go through his entire life right summarize which is what we're supposed to be doing 
Um, but he was born on April Fool's Day, April 1st, 1917 in Toronto in Canada. Uh, and he grew up in like going to public schools for a little bit. And then he transferred to a technical school at the age of 13 to study art and design subjects. Uh, so he's uh, more interested in art and design. Um, so he transferred to a specific school for that. And he initially wanted to follow a career as a stills photographer specializing in um, film posters, like drawing film posters. But he uh, found it difficult to earn like a living from that from that profession, which is reasonable, I guess. So he switched to working in the film industry in 1938 uh, and decided to travel to Hollywood. Um, and then while he was in Hollywood, he was offered a role with the Walt Disney Company on solely the strength of his graphic design work, which is extremely impressive, in my opinion. Although I guess there's not much work that Walt Disney Company would be able to rely on. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess I don't thing. know around that time. Yeah. Um, it's, but anyway, It is impressive either way. It is, yeah. It's still impressive. Uh, I mean, like, from what we've done research on the Walt Disney Company, it was very difficult. It was an extremely sought-after position to work for Walt Disney back then. Uh, I mean, it still is today. And so I imagine it's just difficult to get a job there. Uh, or like just was difficult to get a job there. So to be offered a role based on your merits as a graphic designer seems impressive. Um, however, he could not take the job because he was unable to secure a work permit in the United States, wow. uh, which forced him to move back to Canada. And so he can't, he went back to Canada and got a job as a film editor for the National Film Board of Canada. Um, and then he like worked as a film editor on I think it, I didn't write it down but it was something like 350 fi like films or something like that like short Holy and long that's like an insane amount like over that's his a time crazy on the film board it was an insane amount I just remember it being extremely high maybe it was 150 but it was still like really high that's really yeah that's still really high like um, when you consider how long edit the editing process can take, even for yeah, short seriously. films. It's like especially I make a TikTok then. that's three minutes, especially back then. I make a TikTok that's like a minute long and it takes me two hours to do. Like, yeah. geez, that's impressive. It's brutal. <clears throat> so, yeah, he, he worked as a film editor on a shit ton of films for the National Film Board of Canada. Uh, during the Second World War, he was promoted to film producer to begin work on documentaries and propaganda films. Um, and then he eventually became an executive producer uh, and then in 1949, was invited by the National Film Board into the television industry, which was a brand new industry at the time, uh, on a one-year attachment with NBC in New York City. Um, and so his job while in New York City was to compile reports for the Canadian government on American television techniques um, because America was just better, I think, just generally at entertainment as a whole. Um, just the, yeah, just we're just better. Down. We're just better. It's just Fucking better. Um, no, but uh, like, just I mean, just thinking historically as notably, well. Notably, like, yeah, notably, notably more, like, notably more, more ahead of the curve, and most, yeah, stuff ahead like of the that. curve, more recognizable in the film and film and television industries. Mm -hmm. Just uh, since the induction of those industries, um, so his job was to sort of create reports on the techniques that America would, the Americans used and um, report those to the Canadian government to help grow the Canadian uh, film and television industry. 
Um, and then uh, in 1952, he joined the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation as a supervising director of features, documentaries, and outside broadcasts. Uh, and as part of his time there, he was involved in producing some of the earliest television edits for Hockey Night in Canada, um, which is huge. Uh, as I mean, well I as literally have a I have a rug underneath my desk currently. That's the Hockey Night in Canada logo um, and everything. Love it. I've had yeah, it Hockey Night in Canada since I was huge. in fucking middle school. Um, anyway, sorry. Obviously I just wanted to big say in that. Canada. Um, and then he was also uh, involved in the first Canadian Football League game shown on television. So. Wow, um, that this was kind of all over big. the place. <clears throat> um, but after seeing the production of plays in New York City, he wanted to work more in the in the dramatic um, genre, more in drama. Um, and so he convinced his superiors at CBC to make him a supervisor of drama production in 1954. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I imagine he he'd been working there for a while. He'd done a lot of work for them. Uh, well, not even that long. I mean, he joined in 1952, and so he was convincing these directors of, or this these superiors of him, so to make him a supervisor of drama. Two years, you said. Yeah, in 1950. I mean, that's a decent amount of time to it's have been working somewhere. He had, he had had experience, obviously. Yeah, and to have some like leverage to be like, I think it's time I move out of this area. Um. So yeah. So he did that, and then uh, four years later, he moved to Britain in '58. Uh, where he was offered a job with ABC to produce his own Saturday Night Thriller series. Um, and just uh, a note um, that was uh, that I felt was important. Uh, in, in 1975, it was noted by the then head of drama at CBC, John Hirsch, that so many writers and directors followed Newman to the UK in the 50s uh, and didn't return that it had a direct detrimental effect on Canadian television drama. And it's history. Interesting. Like he just had such an quite impact literally on never would have known lives, that. Huh. Um, that they followed him there to work in the UK, and they just because all those great writers uh, and directors left, they just sort of didn't have anybody to do strong drama television for them. Wow, in Canada. that's really interesting. Honestly, yeah. Hmm. Um. So. Uh, so he moves to moves to Britain, joins ABC, produce to get like he's got his own Saturday Night Thriller series. Uh, soon after his move to the UK, um, the uh, head of drama at ABC was um, moved to a more senior position. So Newman was offered the position to be head of drama at ABC. Uh, pretty soon after he got there, which is um, like Great perfect timing. timing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then in 1960, devised a thriller series for ABC called Police Surgeon, uh, which did not do well. It was canceled after a very short run. What, what does that even mean? Police Surgeon? I didn't do a lot of research on Police Surgeon. I mean, I imagine not, but like when I hear that, I just think of like a cop drama that is also a medical, also a drama. medical drama. Yeah, maybe it was just a, maybe that's what it was. Interesting. Anyway. Maybe continue. it was a surgeon that was specifically working on police. So like... <laughs> I can't save anybody but the police. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe it was like something weird like that. Interesting. Okay. Um, however, uh, he really liked the star that he had for the show and a lot of the themes. So he took the star that show, Ian Hendry, uh, some of those themes and created a new series called The Avengers, <laughs> which is not Marvel related. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just about like uh, like international spies in Britain and stuff. 
very it was very um like james bond-esque and uh uh, Mission Impossible esque. It sounded like I didn't do a ton of research on it, but that's what I gathered from my a quick read on the Avengers. Okay. Again, not Marvel, not Marvel, uh, and Got that it. that became an international success. So that was that was huge. I imagine in Europe, like across Europe. Yeah. And so, uh, his success at ABC was then noted by the BBC, uh, the British Broadcasting Corporation who wanted to revive their own drama department. And so in 1961, they offered him a position as the head of drama there, which he accepted as he was eager for a new challenge and just sort of constantly moving, constantly uh, expanding his horizons. Oh, this guy's like breaking all the rules of that, that shit. Yeah, <laughs> he, like, I know. stays anywhere for more than a place. couple years. <laughs> he just went Impressive. all over the place, breaking all kinds of rules, especially back then. Yeah. to like work for so, such mean, like, a short nowadays, period of time sure, in one but place. Like, yeah, back then it's like, what? what? You only worked there for two years? <laughs> yeah, but look at all the shit I did in two years. <laughs> yeah, but look at what I did. Fucking look Avengers. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Stan Lee. I like um, that that's the voice we're coming up with for this guy. Yeah, for Sidney Newman. <laughs> born in born in 1917. Yeah, I'm a big... Uh, yeah, he's a chronic smoker, which would be realistic. Chronic smoker. <laughs> but somehow he has yeah, a, an American Eastern accent. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He lived in New York for one year, so uh, <laughs> picked it up there. <laughs> Continue with your your research, please. Um. So, uh, in December of this sort of gets this is sort of where it culminates into becoming Doctor Who. In December of 1962, after he'd been there for about a year. Uh, BBC's TV controller informed uh, Sidney Newman that there was this gap in the schedule on Saturday evenings that needed to be filled. And this gap was right between uh, a sports show um, and uh, a pop music show. These were the two shows on Saturday nights, like earlier in the evening, sports like recap of the week, gap, pop music show. Don't really know what kind of pop music show. Um, I imagine just sort of like a, here's the popular music of the time kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. So they wanted a show that would fill that gap that should, that, and they wanted it to appeal to three different audiences, which is, I mean, that's a lot of different audiences. Just, I mean, yeah, you, you know, usually like, have a, a tar one target audience, but sure. So let's, let's they just, they wanted it to appeal to three audiences, role. children previously accustomed to watching during that time, right? Saturday nights. Um, teenagers who were tuning in for the pop music show at, later in the evening and mm -hmm. the adults who would be lingering after the sports show, right? So essentially just touching just about every demographic. <laughs> Children, teenagers, Age adults. And adults. <laughs> Those are the ages. Interesting, okay. Those are the three ages. <laughs> um, and he felt that science fiction was the best way to capture all three of those audiences. And he had conceived this idea already of like, he just, like there was not a lot of information about where this idea for Doctor Who came from other than Newman just sort of like had this idea of a time machine that's much larger on the inside than it is on the outside and a central mysterious character simply known as the Doctor. Hmm. That's pretty much what the show is. Yeah, <laughs> and there's sort of just a like combination of ideas from the collective of writers that was led by Newman, uh, which included uh, C.E. Weber and Donald Wilson, the two that I mentioned earlier, 
um, uh, just a collection of like science fiction ideas. And uh, Weber and Wilson were primarily, uh, like I said, they were more like producers. So they were focused on more of the show's formatting. Uh, whereas Newman had more of the ideas around the science fiction and plot, which is why I felt that they were less creators and more producers. It's fair. Um, and then that's that's it. They they there was not a really there wasn't really information about them pitching the show to BBC because they already told them, hey, we need a show. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, and I he feel was like, like here's a show. Yeah, I mean, I can't fathom, especially for the time and all of the things he's been able to do. I feel like this was yeah. kind of like butter for this guy. Totally. Um, but he was like, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because it's like there's no real point in time where he's like, oh, yeah, I got really into science fiction at this age. Mm-hmm. You know, like he just was involved in everything throughout his life. And then yeah, it kind of feels like he's just a little like, Shyamalan. Oh, I think science fiction would be a good fit for this for these audiences. And then let's come up with something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So. So, yeah. So then. Bam, Doctor Who uh, it aired in, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it aired in the following year, right? November of 1963. So, uh, very, um, uh, yeah, very uh, sort of quick turnaround there, I guess. Yeah, I as don't know. As far as when he was told that there needed a show and when the show aired. Um, the interesting thing, I think the most interesting thing about the show's actual airing is that the show's launch on November twenty November twenty third was a little overshadowed by the assassination of President John F. Kennedy the day oh, before. Wow, I didn't even think about that. November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, obviously there was like mourning and stuff, and um, like they did like i i mean this is in the uk so it yeah so it's i imagine less, less impactful um mm-hmm. like still impactful just because it's impactful but less leader, impactful but it's not your yeah it's not your leader i mean in the same way that like uh i mean the queen just passed away god rest her soul was cannot like just, huge obviously to go at this like, point world leader but for you and i that's not like as an impactful yeah, it's not as impactful as it is for any as if a, a president of the united states would pass away and especially yeah. not I mean, and then obviously she died of natural causes and jfk was assassinated so i, I think yeah. that was a bigger thing around the world as a result of the assassination but mm-hmm. for sure um but anyway so um the 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 episode was aired uh in the in lieu or not in lieu of but the next week when they were going to air the second episode, they aired the first episode right before sort of give people a chance to watch it again in case they were oh, in the morning. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the episode was watched by 4.4 million people uh, in the UK. Wow. Um, and then I read that as a collection, the first four episodes sort of just received mixed reviews. I didn't find any funny, like really bad reviews. I know, like <laughs> no one from the New York Times just not yeah, no, no one from the New York Times pit chimed in on their um on the UK's uh thing. I know there was something about like Variety saying something about like a like a, just a collection of characters kind of thing, um, but nothing that was like as funny to me that was worth mentioning. Um, but the show would go on. The original Doctor Who 
that aired in 1963 ran for 26 seasons. Jesus. From 1963 to 1989. Maybe that's why I was thinking there were different renditions of it, because I was like, no, there's a Doctor Who from the 80s, too. Was it the same Um, actors the whole time? There's no way. No, no. So that's the thing about Doctor Doctor Who, Who. is um, He changes form, right? He changes form. They change form. Genderless. Um, Mm, Yeah, true. And... uh, so they're so like the show is constantly having new doctors. So it's like sometimes I think the like David Tennant had a few seasons as the doctor. Um, sometimes there's just one season for a doctor. I guess it's yeah, that, like, I think it's that concept that is why I thought it had yeah. varying so like, renditions. Like this season, I think like the current run of Doctor Who is a female doctor. It was first female doctor, mm-hmm. um, which is like big for the show and and everything. And uh, and so it's like just con like they're constantly changing the doctor and uh like a few of the actors for the story and stuff so mm-hmm. it's not always um so it seems like they're different renditions of the show or they're more like different seasons um different okay. serializations of the show yeah it's um, like but yeah kind of anthological in its own way i think so not entirely but a little not bit. entirely but like to a certain yeah extent um so yeah so that show that Doctor Who ran for 26 seasons from 63 to 89. Uh, there was a TV film released in 1996, apparently. Uh, and then the show was, like I said, I don't know if it's quite a reboot or a remake, but in 2005. Uh, and then that's been running uh, consistently since then with a total of 13 seasons and counting. Wow. Um, the show has a total of 871 episodes. It said 97 missing I don't really know what that means. We've got 97 <laughs> missing episodes somewhere. Like, did they actually... Yeah, I don't know. That's... My guess is they aired and they're just not available to, like... They're just not out there you. to watch, you know? Oh. Yeah. They're too but controversial. 871 episodes. That's, that's so crazy. many episodes. I mean, that has to be... Nah, I don't want to get into that. That creates an entirely different branch of a tangent that we don't need to get into. So, I'm not even going to say... say, like, one of the longest running... Yeah. <laughs> one of the most amount of shows yeah i mean it's up there for sure it's gotta be like That's snl crazy. would be like the only other one i could think of that would have that many episodes I mean, I, no, no, no again this this leads into a crate yeah, yeah it's too much i'm, of not, a I'm not falling into it um but that's it that's the um that's Doctor Who. Interesting. That's like I said, like there was a lot of, there was not a lot of, but there was a little information that I just sort of was not quite interesting enough for me to write down about Sidney Newman. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had the same thing with Joss Whedon. So I like was writing something down. And I was like, this has literally nothing to do with like the creation of this show. Just like immediately deleted I, it. <laughs> I was surprised to find out he was Canadian. Like I would have, I just never would have expected that. that. Yeah. I was kind of, I was going to ask in the beginning and then I was like, he's going to get to why this is a British show. So I'm just not even going <laughs> to. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I read that, I, I had the same thought like, wait, this guy's Canadian. What? You're telling me that this guy born One in 1917 moved to the UK? <laughs> That's it is possible. really funny when you think about it. <laughs> Like, just the concept of one of the longest-running shows, probably of all time, let alone definitely in the UK, is created by a Canadian. One of the most iconic shows in the UK. Yeah, iconic like, shows in general. Yeah, one of the most iconic shows in general made by a Canadian. Yeah. Unheard of, those Canadians, <laughs> man. Unheard of. Oh, um, that's interesting. Absolutely unheard of. Well, uh, I mean, since that's all you got... <laughs> 
only 25, 27 minutes worth of information. It's useless. useless. Uh, do you want to go on to superlatives? Yeah, let's um, let's do some superlatives. Um, now, I think I, 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 I think it's worth mentioning that I I skimmed this episode mm-hmm. more so than watched it, but I did have a favorite character. Oh, uh, my Ooh. favorite character was the doctor. Okay. The grandfather. Because mm-hmm. he was just a crazy, just seemed like a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't. I literally wrote down, don't think I have one. Because I, I feel like, though I thought the doctor was, like, interesting and funny, I just, like, hated the concept that, like, the just the way he interacted. Like, there's just no rules, right? Like, and I know that watching this probably back in 1963, people would never have thought of it this way. But just as someone who's, like, watched enough time travel things anymore it's like you just have no rules about how you interact yeah. with people of different time periods and different planets apparently <laughs> it's I like mean, it's you, fair, right it's like like i mean there should be some there's rules, not at least right? some like, guidelines like so you don't like back to the future had it right a little bit <laughs> a little bit like I, yeah it's i don't know so it's like for me that's the only reason i didn't actually end up picking a favorite character just because i was like the doctor was the closest thing to my favorite character and even then he kind of pissed me off with the lack of rules yeah <laughs> yeah i can see that yeah um my least favorite character i mean it's sort of just the the teachers i wrote that down at first but then i actually changed my my least favorite character when i thought about it who susan like 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 forget susan's the daughter or the granddaughter (laughs) but like like talk about no rules like why on earth (laughs) Are you f- talking at all about how something should be in the fucking future? Like, I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, everything you do is fucking stupid. Like, you're supposed to be this crazy advanced creature from a different planet in time. And you're so dumb. Like, it's just like, oh, God, it just it irked. It was painfully. She was painfully stupid to me. And it was, painfully. come on. I just I think it's more so one of those things where it's like they're just painting like it's a and again 1963 but it's just like is painting this female character who's supposed to be from a smarter time and place and she's a fucking an idiot. idiot. She's so stupid. <laughs> and it was yeah. so annoying to me. Yeah, I can see that. It was, yeah. Like I get it. <laughs> I just um there's something about the teachers just like Oh yeah. You know, like oh, we're just gonna follow her well that was my least favorite part that they choose to follow her <laughs> yeah that well just like just making that decision to just like oh let's stalk our student yeah i mean i do like that part where like doctor who is kind of like so you're just following one of your students that's yeah. weird <laughs> like that's like, weird that's, bro that's really weird um i i my favorite part as we sort of just touched on my least favorite part but my favorite part was the sort of like the interaction when they're in there talking to the doctor looking for the looking for susan Mm -hmm. and they're like they're like well we're gonna call the cops and he's like fucking do it (laughs) call the cops i'm really curious to see what they say about you following your student yeah (laughs) like do it do it i don't know i'll just teleport out here 
Um, My favorite part was actually the the male teacher being electrocuted. I just he's like, well, <laughs> do it anyway, and the doctor's just like, all right, and she's like, no, that's live, and then he just gets fucking zapped, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay. The parts where the doctor's just like, yeah, fucking do it. Watch, like, just see what yeah, happens. Those, yeah, just see what happens. Just like the, I just, yeah. But that's where, like, they're like, those are funny parts, and I like them. But I'm also like, why? There's no rules. There should <laughs> there be rules no, to this. There are no rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I said, my least favorite part is just sort of like the idea that they should stalk their student. Like, that's weird. Also, yeah. why they only have one student. Um, well, I mean, they have multiple students, but like, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. The fact that she stands. But I think that's what annoys me so much about her is like the fact that she stands out that much that these teachers feel a need to like track, like track her. Yeah, that's weird. Fair. And I think that's my least favorite part. I literally wrote down every time Susan is being an idiot. <laughs> every down. time Susan pulls a Susan, like geez. pulls a Susan. Like the only time I like was kind of interested in her was the very first time you see her when she's listening to the music. And I'm like, oh, oh that's yeah. fun. They're like clearly making her look like she's not from this world, and that's interesting. But then it just goes into this like spiral of just why the re they're they are 100 fully suspicious of her with like proper validation in my from my point of view like just based on how she actually interacts it's like she's not yeah, smarter than you she's, she's just from a different time where there's more information than you guys have yeah that doesn't make her smart she's actually a fucking idiot for the way that she <laughs> is trying to present this it's like a, uh, so annoying. it's like an information retention thing versus a um iq thing yeah Truly, you know, it's like if it's you like were actually she smart, has more information, fuck. but she doesn't have a higher IQ. Yeah, and I just love that when the dot when she like the like the teachers like finally get in the whatever the room is, whatever it's called. But uh, and the doctor's like, see, this is why this is why we can't stay places for too long. And it's like she's only been there for two weeks, and she already yeah. fucked up. Like, <laughs> she's good God, she's like, an idiot. Geez. Your problem is that you're bringing her around oh. with you. That's your problem. What a Susan. What a Susan. What a Susan. <laughs> but yeah, that's my least favorite um, part. Anytime she's just a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, good Noodle Stars. I, I don't know. This isn't the show for me. A three yeah. out of seven, I think. It, it had its moments. I like just, I gave it. The only reason I actually gave it five is because I could sit and watch. I did watch through the whole thing. Like I, I was able to watch did it. You watch this it after and not Firefly. Get... I did. Did you but like bias? Like, at least it's not was... fucking Firefly. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I was like, at least it's one twenty, like a, a a proper time slot for what I was kind of hoping. And two, like it did still intrigue me, and like the the way it was shot was kind of interesting, and the acting wasn't horrible. But it's just like it's also just not a show for me. Like I, I I'm yeah. at this because obviously an insane, an insane amount of people really enjoy it. Also, you have to just think about the time that this came out. True. Or drastically different. So it's just knowing kind of what it became, knowing like kind of trying to look at this from the perspective of like what people would have experienced at this point. Like this is probably one of the first real sci-fi's that was still grounded in a, a reality that made sense to people. I just right, yeah. Time traveling alien doctor with a spaceship that has more space on the inside than it does on the outside. Very grounded. Very, 
in reality. I mean, but it all <laughs> looks like it's not a no, horrifically no, unknown. You know what I mean? It was still relatable in its in its ways. So I know what you mean. But yeah, so uh, my God, so, there it is. There Shall we, she there blows. Shall we move on to uh, my gem of a show? Let's let's move on. Jason, he's not back. Thank God, I can talk shit about him. Oh, that guy Chase is a real dingbat. There's nothing nothing else to say about it. It's science at its finest. Maybe he's pooping. I didn't even think about that. Probably should have waited to record. Oh, well. A little coffee poo-poo. little coffee poo-poo. little coffee poo-poo. Well, good for you. I took my coffee poo-poos earlier, which is kind of nice. You know what I mean? No? Okay, cool. Good talk. Um, sorry. <laughs> <It was terrible. laughs> Um, it's fine you can fucking ignore me it's cool yeah i don't well i don't really care what you talk about so good not a big deal for me you're not gonna listen to any of this good to know no all right are you kidding so yeah firefly (laughs) (laughs) okay let's let's talk about firefly now when i texted you about what about what episode to watch um Mm -hmm. i'll get more into it but kind of similar to like some other shows we've had where like there's multiple pilot episodes this one has that same concept yeah. so there is the pilot episode that actually aired was the very first firefly episode to air on tv and then there's mm-hmm. the pilot episode that joss whedon had intended to be the pilot episode from the get-go and yeah. actually watching watching that first actually makes the series or the well yeah the series but the season make sense story-wise because he shot they shot it first it's the first episode they shot but it didn't end up being the first episode that aired and i will get into that yeah did you want to ask me anything or oh fuck (laughs) 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 it's been a minute i'm so sorry it's actually been quite a minute because we didn't record weeks yeah, because we had the previous episode that came out. We're one, we're also a week behind on releasing this episode, but two, the previous episode we did was recorded all the way back in August. So Yeah. <laughs> so Chase, yeah. what do you what do you know about Firefly? I it's not a lot, so it, Okay, great. So I can move lot. on. Um, <laughs> the things I wrote down were Nathan Fillion question mark and one season. <laughs> Nathan Villian question mark. <laughs> it was before I skimmed the episode, so um, oh, that's awesome. Before I confirmed that it was Nathan Fillion, I was yeah. like Nathan Fillion, maybe question and mark. Then one season. That's what. That's all I wrote down. Oh man, that's amazing. Okay, well, yeah, that's not much. So uh, I'm not gonna edit this out of order. So I'm just gonna leave what I said already, <laughs> yeah, in, in. and then I'm gonna do that. So, um, anyway. Thank you for your input, and uh, I will start talking about our our two pilot episodes here. All right, so the original aired pilot episode is called The Train Job, which aired on September 20th, 2002 on Fox. Then the intended pilot episode uh, was called Serenity, which aired on December 20th, 2002. It was the 11th episode to air in the season. Um which is just crazy that it, it didn't even get to be like the second episode. <laughs> so it wasn't. So it wasn't the first. It wasn't the first. And then it, it wasn't the second. No. It was and then the it way. wasn't the third. <laughs> yeah. 
It was the 11th out of 14 episodes. Jesus. Yeah. It's like the opposite of The Simpsons. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, you can watch this show on Hulu with a subscription and for purchase. I have quite literally, I was not able to find it anywhere else. Um, But you'll notice on Hulu, the first episode is Serenity. So as it's been on on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. So as it's on streaming services and like, I believe the DVDs as well, like they put it in the order that Josh Whedon intended it to be watched, which makes sense because uh, there's actually, there was a lot of confusion with the way that Fox decided to air the show, but we'll get into that. Um, And then the creator of the show is Josh Whedon. The series synopsis is 500 years uh, 500 years in the future, a renegade crew aboard a small space cra- spacecraft tries to survive as they travel the unknown parts of the galaxy and evade wearing factions as as well as authority agents out to get them. Then the two episode synopsis. So the train job synopsis is Mal has second thoughts after discovering that two boxes of Alliance goods, his goods his crew has been hired to steal are full of badly needed medical supplies headed for the mining town of paradiso um and then the serenity episode which is the one that i watched and chase skimmed through is malcolm reynolds is a veteran and captain of of the serenity he and his crew are smuggling goods but they need to pick up some passengers for extra money however not all the passengers are what they seem um, that comment so, felt yeah. a little bit um backhanded. I the the, the <laughs> I, I watched Chase skim through I, comment. I, I didn't mean to. I kind of oh, realized uh, it after I said it, and then I was like, I'm just gonna keep going. Um, yeah, whatever. I should have just said the sure, one that yeah. we watched. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> what fine. a no, dick. No I mean, you already said that you skimmed through it. Yeah, I did. You said you've said it for both your things, so that's why I didn't. It's fine when I say it, but when you say it, it's me. It sounds like a dick. I mean, fair enough. That's valid. Listen, Go there's on. plenty of times where I have like only skimmed through it or I didn't even watch the episode altogether. So yeah. it happens. Sometimes sometimes we don't even tell each other that we don't watch and we just like we don't find out until later. It's like, oh, yeah, you. <laughs> I just <based laughs> Oh, I never off. actually watched The Honeymooners. I literally just sort of went off of whatever you oh. said. And then I watched, I did watch that, that one. So no, I didn't watch. Oh no, I know. <laughs> I mean, listen, that's the least important part of what we do. The research is I far know. more important, so it's yeah. fine. The research right. is the far more important part. Anyways, go it, on. It really is. Anyways, so I'm gonna do a little creator history here. Josh Whedon is the creator. He was born on June 23rd, 1964, in New York City as Joseph Hill Whedon. Which honestly was a relief because I, I was kind of concerned that his real name was Joss, and I just wanted it was, but that it's not. It's would Joseph. Be an interesting name. Mm-hmm. It's Joseph, though. Um, I have and, never heard Joss as a nickname for Joseph. That's me either. And I it's didn't cool. find any reason as to why it's that, but uh, it's different and it's interesting, um, and, and I like, like it. it, and we like it. It's also very memorable. It's easy to remember for sure. Um, but his parents were Ann Lee Stearns and Tom Whedon. So Joss is actually the third generation of TV writers in his family. His father, Tom Whedon, was a screenwriter for the show Alice in the 1970s and Golden Girls in the 1980s. Um, And then his grandfather was John Whedon, worked on the Donna Reed show in the 1950s and then the Dick Van Dyke show in the 1960s. I believe they probably had a lot of other stuff, but those are like the, the notable shows. Yeah. 
that I mean, they both worked on. That's cool. Third generation yeah. writer. It is. It's even more interesting when you uh, hear that he's the middle of five brothers. Wow. Uh, yeah. So he's uh, his two older brothers, I, I believe, I mean, based off of the research I did, are not in the entertainment industry, or at least aren't writers. And then his two younger brothers actually are writers in the industry. Um, but this isn't about them. So if they if we ever do a show that they actually created, we can talk about them. Otherwise, they can fuck right off. Them, so fuck you guys. So fuck, fuck you, you Whedon, Whedon Josh brothers. Whedon's brother, brothers, Josh Whedon, whatever the words, bro. Anyway. Words. Um, Whedon attended Riverdale uh, Country School in New York City, where his uh, mother actually taught history. And then at the age of 15, he actually spent three years at Winchester College, which was a boarding school in England. Um, he was constantly bullied as a child. And a quote from him was about his constant bullying is that he said, it was clear to me from the start that I, I must take an active role in my survival. Which is kind of great. Like he, like something I read is like he was bullied by his brothers, his older brothers as well. So it's like he had a, a crazy, a little bit of a crazy, shitty get up. That it's kind of interesting that he went into the film industry. If you, if I'm being honest, but either way, um, as children, they were kind of his parents. I didn't actually write this down. I just kind of remember it, and I do find it kind of interesting now that I'm kind of talking about it, but. His, I guess Joss kind of describes his childhood as his parents constantly wanting them to be entertaining and creative. And when they weren't, they would get like the silent treatment. So that's fucking crazy. Um, can that's, you imagine if you like weren't entertained? So it's like crazy. they were jesters for their, their parents. It's so weird. Yeah. But entertain me, Josh. Yeah. And it like not also entertaining enough. <laughs> not entertaining. 20 minutes I, in the dungeon. I, it is <laughs> exactly. Anyway, um, I just wanted to mention it. After he, uh, Whedon graduated from Wesleyan College in 1987, where he was also awarded with an honorary doctor of letters in 2013, which I didn't even know what it was, but it's like, it's a doctorate of the letters. I didn't really look up much about it, but yeah. Just, uh, you know, the ABCs, <laughs> baby. ABCs, yo, <laughs> Exactly. Um, in an online article interview uh, on www.avclub.com, Whedon speaks about his first gig ever. I couldn't find um, like what year it actually was, and it's like a super little tidbit of something, but I'm just going to read it real quick. Um, Josh Whedon says, Actually, my first gig ever was writing loop lines for a movie that had already been made. He goes on to explain what loop lines are in the same interview and says, uh, you know, writing lines over somebody's back to the to explain something, to help make a connection or to add a joke, uh, to add a joke or just to add babble because the people are in a in frame and should be saying something. Um, I didn't really know what these were. It makes sense that it exists, but it's really interesting to me that that was like his first gig ever. Like, I'm so I don't know how he got that gig. I don't know what like the connection was, but. It's I'd just an interesting, cake. yeah, it's, it's interesting, but with that, he actually kind of, that's kind of what launched him into more writing and that kind of stuff. Um, so from 1989 to 1990, Whedon worked as a staff writer on the sitcom, uh, sitcoms Roseanne and Parenthood. He then worked as a script doctor and was uh, was an uncredited writer on films, including The Getaway, Speed, Waterworld, and Twister. 
For anybody that doesn't know what a script doctor is, it's a writer or a playwright hired by a film, television show, or theater production company to rewrite an existing script or improve specific aspects of it, including, but not limited to, structure, characterization, dialogue, pacing, themes, and other elements. Um, I have kind of known what a script doctor is in the past, but like I didn't know that they could quite literally just rewrite an entire thing and be an uncredited writer. Which is fucking crazy to me, but whatever. Um, do they, if somebody's, if they're on a plane and they say, are there any doctors on board? Are they allowed to get up or are they not? <laughs> does that not count? Uh, probably not. I mean, I mean, gotcha. he is a doctor of letters, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Mm. Um, mm, mm. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on, he also, uh, so I guess it's also considered script consulting um, as well. So while he was doing all of that, he actually wrote a film called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which released in July of 1992, which would then later on, uh, he would create a show with the same title, um, a little bit more well-written for the show and everything, and it went on to be quite a hit, so... He was also a writer on the films Alien Resurrection in the early uh, the early drafts of Titan AE, which I have no idea what that is, and Atlantis: The Lost Empire. He also co-wrote Toy Story. Yeah, no, I, I actually don't know. I thought I knew what Atlantis: The Lost Empire was, but now I'm like realizing I, it's not probably not the one I'm thinking of. No, um, probably not. Probably not. Uh, he also co-wrote Toy Story, which I did not know. Um, where he earned, I know, where he earned a shared Academy Award nomination for best original screenplay. I had no fucking idea he was a co-writer Jeez. of Toy Story. Absolutely none. Yeah, I, I was like, what? Like I've um, heard of Joss Whedon. Yeah, honestly, if I'm if I'm being completely honest, the main thing I knew Joss Whedon for for a really long time because I never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, was the fact that he directed the first Avengers movie. So. Yeah. But like, other than that, I, I didn't know really what else he did, but he's done a bountiful amount of things. Mm, um, yeah. In 1997, he created the show Vampy the Vampy. <laughs> oh my God. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is like not there. Holy Vampy shit. Vampy the Buffpire Slayer. <laughs> exactly. Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which ran for seven seasons, um, arguably his most successful creation. Uh, he also had a spinoff of that called Angel. But then that kind of finally brings us into Firefly. Um, he did a lot of other shit, too. It's really interesting, but it has it's all stuff that takes place after Firefly. So I'm just we're not mm -hmm. going to talk about it. And if you want to know more about Joss Whedon. Let us look know and yourself. we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> look it up yourself and we'll do Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Chase can do the research. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, so the development of Firefly. So Whedon actually came up with the concept of the show after reading Michael Shara's, Shara's, I didn't actually look up how to pronounce this, um, but it's the book called uh, The Killer Angels, which is a chronicle book about, uh, which is, sorry, which is a chronicle about the Battle of Gettysburg during the American Civil War, if you don't know what the Battle of Gettysburg is. Um, he speaks about how he wanted to follow the people who had fought on the long on the losing side of the war. And this is kind of a quote from that same interview with the AV Club um, thing. But he said, I wanted to play with the classic notion of the frontier, not the people who made history, but the people who stepped on it, the people for whom every act is the creation of civilization. Which is like, a, it's a really interesting concept, honestly. 
he then wanted to create something. Uh, he then speaks about how he wanted to create something for television that was more character driven and gritty than most of the modern science fictions at the time, which were far more story based. If like you think about kind of like the Star Treks and that kind of stuff. Yes, there were the characters were important, but the story and the things that they were talking about were far more important than the people, if that makes sense. Um, and then I can't actually find any information about why he ended up pitching uh, the show to Fox or why Fox is the one that picked it up versus the WB, which is what he had been, who he'd been working with for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't actually know if he even tried to pitch this show to WB or if like Fox had already expressed interest in Joss Whedon doing a show for them. I don't actually know, but yeah. And then just kind of moving on to the obstacles he had when creating the pilot, which is where I'm going to kind of talk about why there's two pilot episodes. So during the filming of the pilot episode, the original intended pilot episode that Whedon wanted to create called Serenity, um, Whedon was actually arguing with Fox about uh, the show's how the show how he wanted the show to be displayed in widescreen format which is 16 by 9 versus the at the time this television standard was 4 by 3 and that was just like the like one of the biggest reasons they didn't even want to put it out in widescreen is just the fact that households didn't have a whole lot of widescreen televisions in general at this point in time so yeah i remember when that happened too when mm-hmm. it became like the standard yeah it was like 2000 nine or something like that it's like yeah. pretty well, crazy family guy had a big episode thing on yeah it. which i think we've talked about plenty of times but yeah the, have, yeah the the clue episode of family guy yeah but either way um he was arguing with them about that not only that uh he well so because of these arguments like while they were filming the 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 pilot episode that he wanted to be the pilot he literally was putting characters on both edges of the screen so that like they would be cut off if you tried to broadcast it in the four by three format, which is ballsy as shit. And it didn't end up going so, out in 16 by nine. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, however, the Fox, so the Fox executives actually went on to, uh, reject the original intended pilot, um, pilot episode stating that it lacked action and the captain was too dour, which I'm not going to lie. I do kind of agree with, because it's like this, the the pilot episode that was the intended pilot episode does not make me want to watch this show. Also, the fact that like we talk about this often, but like when you know it's only a single season, it just hurts so much more. Yeah, it does. So, it's hard to get into. Yeah, it's hard to want to get into that. So um, Fox basically told Whedon on a Friday afternoon that he had to provide a whole new pilot script by the following Monday or the show would not be picked up. So I'm like... I don't know why the wording is picked up because they were already filming the pilot episode. They were like, they had already, yeah. I don't know how far into filming they had Sounds gotten. Like it. I don't know. Greenlit it. Yeah. So I think what he like, I think what this, I can't even, I don't, I forgot to put the link for this one, but like, I think what it means is like, or they just wouldn't air the show. Like they'd cancel it is probably more so what Maybe. they mean. Um, Based on like the history of the show, I feel like that's most likely what they mean. And mm-hmm. obviously I'm going to get into that, but yeah. So essentially they were like, we're not, we're not airing that as a pilot. Um, fucking write a new script and we'll decide if we want that to be the new pilot. <laughs> so for the new pilot, Fox made it clear that they would not air the, uh, air episodes in widescreen. 
So we lost that battle. He lost a lot of battles with this show. <laughs> Sounds We'd like lost... him and Fox didn't quite get along. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Um, Whedon had, when it, he kind of talks about the filming of this, he was just very thoughtful of like where this was going to go after airing. Um, so basically he said that he had to serve two masters by filming both widescreen for the eventual DVD release, but still keeping certain things in frame that would work for the uh, pan and scan full frame, which is the four by three. Um, it's interesting because I feel like there's not, especially at the time, there's not a lot of people. And granted, he had done, he like Buffy was in probably its sixth season when he was making the show, six, fifth or sixth season. Oh, yeah. So he probably so had that. Yet. It wasn't done yet, but he also probably had that foresight of like, oh, Buffy's, like Buffy DVDs sell like crazy or something i don't know i didn't yeah. obviously i didn't research that show so i don't know in my mind that's why he has this like foresight to think about how it would be for the dvd and how people would eventually watch it that way so i mean that would make sense to me that's the only logical thing for me because it's like you don't hear of creators really caring much about anything after the airing you know what i mean like you don't hear about somebody thinking about what like during, especially during the creation of the show, they're not like thinking about DVD sales. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just found it interesting. Not that I've heard of. I mean, like, I don't know. I guess it. it's not. Yeah, I think it, it's very specific for that time period, right? Because DVDs are like, relatively speaking, we're not around for that long. Yeah. But in I mean, that format, right? It was like the, we, the transition from VHS to DVD, and then D, DVD to some sort of streaming format mm -hmm. was relatively quick. Like I'm not talking like you know, like two years, obviously, but but still, I mean, I think the biggest change that happened with DVDs is just the sheer fact that you're watching VHS. You were still watching stuff in the same format that you would be watching television. Oh yeah. Also, very true. did t TV shows didn't release on VHS ever? Like that wasn't a thing. DVDs was no, the, would have been the thing. first time that like TV show that you could get a TV show to watch in your own home without having to be slave to the yeah. The I mean, they still do release full seasons of some shows on yeah. DVD. No, definitely, you can definitely get a lot of shows on DVD and Blu-ray. It's just like it's interesting that he had the foresight to think about those things. Um, but yeah. As far as actors are concerned and the casting of them, I couldn't find anything about the actual casting of them. Um, so I'm just honestly going to skim past, like skip past that in general. Um, now just kind of getting into how the pilot was received and just like the overall season. This was a single season run for, I, I don't think I said that earlier, but it only ran for one season. Um, Fox chose to air this show out of the intended order, leading to confusion in the plot for the viewers. So like, Though Joss Whedon did write the train, uh, I'm already blanking on what it's called. He did write the train job with the intent of it being the first episode. It's still like he was unwilling to kind of go out of story order with what he originally wanted to be the first episode, which was the Serenity. So things happen in the Serenity episode that like are very imperative to being in the beginning of the story. And so the fact that it didn't, didn't air until the 11th episode just made things fucking confusing for people. They did provide like some information about what this, like, you know, you know, that this was 2517 and like where they are and like what the kind of history is. But like, that's about it. The, a lot of the character development all happens in that serenity episode. So people are kind of like, 
lost for the first majority of this season. Like you're getting to know the characters. Yeah. It's like so weird. So that caused a lot of people to not continue watching the show as well as Fox decided to air this on the, what is known as the Friday night death slot, especially for the time, because it was like the time of night where people weren't in their homes on a Friday night. So they weren't watching TV much. Like it was just an inevitability that you weren't going to get a lot of views because it was like the time slot. The I think it said the Friday night time. I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure it said from like 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. to like 11 p.m. is known as the Friday night death slot in American television just because people are out on a Friday night, you know, like they're not. It's not known that people stay home to watch shows on a Friday night. So, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Like. Yeah. It's not. There's a lot of things Fox did to like. <laughs> it sounds like clearly yeah, they... <laughs> Whedon and Fox were butting heads from the get go. And it kind of sounds like because of that, Fox chose to like kind of screw the show over with certain things like airing it out of order and putting them on the Friday night death slot. Um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so, sorry. Did you want to say anything about the Friday night death slot? I no, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say like, the same thing to you where it's like it just sounds like like we'll probably get into it you'll probably get into it but like it's doomed from the beginning like fox was just like yeah. i mean this we're not gonna renew this like yeah like everybody could have seen this coming yeah which let's get into that part um yeah. supposedly for the first few episodes the viewership was actually higher than the early episodes of buffy the vampire slayer However, it still got a 98. Uh, it's still ranked 98th in, I, I think the Nielsen ratings is out of 100, right? TV shows. Maybe it's 150. I can't quite remember. Either way, it's still ranked pretty low as far as its actual ratings, but its yeah. viewership was decently high. Um, however, despite that, Fox actually canceled the show after the 11th episode, not letting all 14 episodes air in that year. Um, so... Not only was Serenity <laughs> supposed to be the pilot, but for the actual airing of the episodes, it ended up being the finale of the show. <laughs> <laughs> At least the finale for what aired on Fox. So yeah. by that, I mean they didn't actually end up airing the last three episodes of the show until August of 2003, and they didn't even air it on Fox. They aired it on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it aired in the UK. I couldn't even find that it aired in the United States. So as far as i know or as far as i could find i should say like serenity was the the finale that people got <laughs> which is like what and i apparently there's a lot of i don't know enough about it but like other characters died that are alive during serenity oh and it's God. like okay this is like i can understand why this is fucking confusing now um but yeah that was interesting the other interesting thing is fans of the show actually because they knew the ratings were so low they started they before the show even got canceled they started an immediate assistance campaign by sending postcards to Fox to try and get the show not to be canceled. So it's like that's where like the whole cult classic like the the fact that the yeah. fan base was like small but strong enough that they were already like fuck we can't lose this show so soon that like before it even got canceled they started a campaign for the show to hopefully stay on the air which ultimately wow. did not work <laughs> obviously obviously however with the show canceling early and this is where josh whedon's foresight is fucking amazing 
the success of the DVD sales afterwards actually led to him being able to produce a movie th- uh, for fi- for this show or based on this show, I should say, sorry, with mm-hmm. Universal Pictures that they ended up just calling Serenity. Um, and that was released in 2005. So. Oh, damn. Yeah. So it got, you know, not even a full season run in the in the States. So I don't know if people were, hopefully people were able, because I mean, it's still, all the episodes in theory were all out by 2003 and then they all would have come out on the DVD. So people should have at least been able to watch it in the proper order by the time the movie was coming out. But still, it's just yeah. like, it's crazy. <laughs> the history yeah, of the Fox show, like. just took this whole show and went like, yeah, fuck you. Well, it's like crazy, too, because it's like, why did you even let him make all 14 episodes? Like, it's just crazy. Like, I don't know. It's just truly wild. Let him on. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because the interview I was reading with Joss Whedon, he doesn't have the best relationship with Hollywood in general. Um, He like even I'm not going to be able to find the exact quote just because I remember reading it. But he like even said sometimes people will ask him what's the worst job he ever had in like an interview. And he like his response is always working for Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> That's what his response is. So it's just it's it doesn't sound like he has not the best relationship, guy. but yeah, he's not a big Hollywood guy. And even with those like what I was kind of talking about earlier, where he was like a go not a ghostwriter, a, a script doctor for certain movies and stuff, he like is very displeased with the way most of the movies turned out. One of the only ones he liked that he was actually script doctor on that he was pleased with the way it turned out was speed. And that's because they used most of his dialogue and some of the characters he, he uh, added to the, to the movie. So, but for the most part, he like is very, he, it also sounds like he's been screwed over fair amount. Like where they used, a lot of his stuff when he was a script doctor, he didn't even get credits for being a writer. And it's like, that's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Bad, uh, bad Hollywood relationship for sure. Yeah. So it's a, it's an abusive relationship, I think. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he's had very many healthy relationships in his life between his childhood (laughs) and his work life. Um, Hopefully his marriage is good. So that guy now, (laughs) right. A little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, just kind of some final little tidbits. Fun fact. Um, I don't even remember who told me about this, but some actor that I worked with for on one of the video games that I've been on, like he was talking about this and he was talking about how, oh no, it doesn't matter. It's unimportant. I'm just going to talk about it. Nathan Fillion is from Edmonton. He's also in the Suicide Squad. I don't remember which one. Oh, the John John Cena. Wait, is John Cena in both? I don't fucking know. Either no, John way, John Cena's not in both. I don't think. Okay, so whatever Suicide Squad John Cena is in, the most recent. Um, sure. The the Suicide Squad. There was Suicide Squad, the, and then there was yeah. The so Suicide this was. Squad. Oh yeah. So this says the Suicide Squad. So apparently, on the release of the, someone had in Edmonton had been campaigning for someone to for the a Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion to be created. <laughs> it's amazing i love the name and instead of it actually like ending up getting created the suicide squad had like backed the petition in its own way and so for the release of the suicide squad um edmonton decided to change the downtown city hall to be called the nathan fillion civilian pavilion um for for a single day so 
I think it's amazing. <laughs> I just think it's amazing that someone went through the process of petitioning to get the Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion. And so anytime now that I see Nathan Fillion in something or I hear it, I'm like, I immediately, I have to say Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion. So I love that. <laughs> I know. It's so, so amazing. Much. That's just my fun fact because we haven't had a Nathan Fillion show yet. So no, we have not. Um, and then just uh, finally, there. there are a few of them out there. I mean, he's on one right now, right? A cop one. Um, then just finally shows that were on at the time charm that kind of fit the demographic. Cause there were a lot of shows on in 2002, um, but fit the target demographic of people who would have watched Firefly or is the show charmed the wire star Trek enterprise, Smallville, Buffy, the vampire slayer and Futurama. And that's, uh, that's what I got about Firefly. So, yeah, it sounds like mostly a shit show from start to finish. Yeah. Like I'm, it's I don't understand. I really wish I could have found like why he went to Fox, why it got greenlit. Like I wish I could find more information on that. There's like fuck all for that. Yeah, it's um, like you hear it all and you're like, why did this ever get made? Yeah, why like, did Fox ever agree to it? Like I don't understand like how obviously hated it. Well, and I don't understand how they got they let him start. Re- like he was making the pilot episode and then they decided they didn't like that as the pilot episode. I just don't get that. It's like I you you greenlit it. I get the feeling <clears throat> that there was some sort of like contract that they couldn't back out of. It's not an it impossibility. Like, Sorry, I was taking a drink of my water. Yeah. It's not an impossibility. <clears throat> like they just had like, oh fuck, we we signed this contract. It's like there's no loophole. We can't get out of it. Like we just gotta do this to a certain extent and then we'll be done with it. And, it's and like then we're just gonna the make beginning. his life hell the entire time. <laughs> and so they like they gave it the death run they gave it like the death t- slot. You know, they they made his life hell. They basically yeah. did whatever they could to make it so that he wouldn't want to come back. And like to make it so that like it would become a cancelable show mm-hmm. almost. That's what it feels like based on what you've told me. And this is probably the first time I like where a show's been canceled where they didn't even let the full run of the show play. Like usually, yeah. like even if a show gets canceled before the show, like the first season's ended, they, they at still least finish, finish it out. the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like not put it on a totally different like network or channel, I should say, because I'm assuming so, like fox owns this i don't in an entirely know. different country an entirely yeah like it's uh, it's just so fucking confusing like the only side of where i'm like oh josh was like a little i keep saying josh joss joss, joss. was a little like joss. jocelyn whedon joss. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's just the only time where I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, you're a little unreasonable with, with the aspect ratio concept. It's like nothing was airing in that at that time. Yeah. Nothing was 16 by 9 widescreen at that time. So it's just like, that's the one time where I'm kind of like, that's a little ridiculous of a request. Like, Totally. But other than that, it's kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what was this like battle between them? It, <laughs> yeah, no, it. From Fox's side, it sounds like Fox was like, we don't want this. We have to make it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to give it all of, like, we're not, we're going to give it as little opportunity to succeed as possible. And Joss Whedon knew that they were going to try to cancel. He was like, I'm just going to fuck with them. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to spend all their money. We're I mean, gonna and make if all he kinds knew that. Shit. We're going to make it 16 to 9 and 4 to 3. And we're going to we're gonna like i'm just gonna make them hate every second of working with me 
Yeah. I mean, to your point, though, if he did know that, right, like if for something early on, if he actually knew that this show wasn't going to get past a season, maybe that is why he fought so hard for the aspect ratio, because he's like the only part of this yeah. that's going to do anything is going to be the DVD and the DVD can be that's in widescreen. True. He could have known that. And like, that's why he was so uh, hell bent on it. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I'm sure if I was really wanting to do a crazy deep dive in this, I could have um again we don't do massive massive deep dive it's never it's has been what it's like this podcast is this is informational com comedy podcast and it's more funny to think about fox just getting going fuck you jocelyn whedon and your nathan <laughs> fillion civilian pavilion we do what the whatever the fuck we want exactly so i don't know um, if for some reason we really want to do a bigger deep dive later at some point, we can, but that's all I got on the show with that, uh, with superlatives, that, superlatives, shall we? Um, my favorite character I had as, uh, Captain Malcolm, Re Malcolm Reynolds. So Nathan Fillion's character. Yeah. I just like, I know that he's kind of like a hard ass, but it's like, I don't know. I still like his character the most. And he's like the, he, to mm. me, he's like the only one that it feels like he's. I don't know how Confident. to say this without it making see seeming like the other actors are terrible because they're not. I mean, fucking Alan Tudyk is in this and that man is fucking amazing. Yeah. But He's like, my it's just, character. I mean, that's valid. Like he, I kind of was on the edge of picking him. Um, the only reason I didn't is just cause I liked, I just like the captain, the, the way that captain Reynolds character is like a classic, how Joss Whedon kind of wanted him to be. And I, as reference, I watched the show and then I did my research, so I had no information prior to watching it. But like, I just liked that he felt so a part of this world to me. He's like the one that kind of felt the most in it and like the most like both futuristic, but also perfectly set during like a civil war era type thing. I don't know. It's kind of hard mm, to yeah. explain that and it's not coming out of my mouth the way it's in my brain. But yeah. Anyway, you liked Alan Tudyk's character? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I liked Alan Tudyk's. I'm like, uh, you know, it's no secret at this point. I skimmed this episode. I didn't watch the full thing. <laughs> it's an hour and a half, guys. Jesus. It is. Calm well, down. and it, it was supposed oh, to be fuck. like a two. I can hear the comments now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a two part. It was supposed to be like a two. The interesting thing is it, it supposedly was a two part airing, two, uh, two hour or two, yeah, two one hour gotcha. time slot airing. But like, I can see why you wouldn't want that as your pilot episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's long. That's a long pilot episode. No, I can I can see why Fox would be like, no. In this day and age, in the streaming day and age, it would have just been uh they would have just been released at the same time as episode mm -hmm. one and episode two, you know. Yeah. But um but that didn't happen. Yeah. But you liked Alan Tudyk. Um but I liked Alan Tudyk's character. It's just, you know, in the same way, in the same vein of just Con like the like the sort of comedic relief comic yeah. relief kind of character um uh so it, like that's valid yeah, it just, as i was skimming through it i just found myself liking his character it's totally valid i like it um my least favorite character i didn't i don't even remember the fucking guy's name they just called him like the fed but the guy that like shoots what's her nuts and is trying to take the the sister or whatever he was just kind of like oh I, that guy like it's just funny because it's like i know that they're painting these like 
you know, Nathan Fillion and his team as kind of the outlaws and like the, you know, if this was were an old Western, like that's how it would be. But it's like this lawman is just so ridiculous to me. I'm like, he doesn't even like what what is he upholding? Like there's just no information on like what the laws <laughs> actually are which is kind of how it was in the old West, right? Like it was very yeah. town based and the law, it was a lawless land. So it's like literally, but he was just a douche. I just didn't like him. Is he now? And he seemed like he, a douche. Yeah. Is he, do we, is he somebody that comes back? Is it like, no, they kill him at the end of the episode. Nathan oh, Fillion yeah, shoots fair. him at the end of the episode. That's because he's like about to shoot, uh, the, the sister like, again. I can't remember her name. Him. That's fair. It's just like, I mean, if I don't pick him, I pick that other the good the guy that Adam Baldwin plays. But then he has like a redemption in the end of the episode to me. So it's like I don't dislike him as much towards the end yeah. of the episode. Uh, my least favorite character was Nathan Fillion's character for for the reason you fair. said he's kind of just like a hard ass. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I mean, he's the reason that Fox is necessity like him for that reason (laughs) but yeah it just seems like a like you know just a hard ass bit of a dick yeah it's like i'm here for the job and nothing else well it's funny because it's like you have this concept of like one i find it interesting that the the language in this show is kind of all over the place where it's like kind of referencing old timey shit while also still trying to be futuristic. And the fact that they call the ship like their spaceship. Oops, sorry. I just hit my mic thing. They call their spaceship a boat sometimes. And so it's like this weird concept of like, okay, is it a fucking ship like a spaceship or is it like a boat? And it's like, they aren't it's a part of the military. Treasure. So it's like by calling a him captain. Plan. Exactly. And it's like, in my mind, I, you know, I'm a big Star Trek fan. So like when they're like disobeying him as captain, that's like way worse in my mind. And I kind of forget that it's like, this is like lawless shit. This isn't like a real captain. He's just like the leader of their group. Like it's his ship. Sure. But like, it's not a captain in the same sense of what Star Trek captain is like, you're literally disobeying orders. And it's like something like Star Trek. Whereas this is like, you just disagree with who the supposed leader right now. Yeah, no, I, uh, I know what you mean. It's like, like a, like a leader is just kind of like a de facto leader, right? He's not like, like he's just a guy who brought a group of other outlaws together to mm-hmm. make money. Yeah. It's like, there's no real reason for them to stay there other than he just brought them together. And it's like, well, we don't really have any other source of income. So we're just going to do this. There doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel like a found family situation so much as it just feels like a group of outlaws. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I can totally see why he's like a yeah. least favorite for that. Um, my favorite part is uh it's towards the end of the episode, actually. Nathan Fillion does this like thing where he tells uh what's his nuts, uh, the doctor that the girl that got shot earlier in the episode and then he likes like saves he like Mm -hmm. tells him that she's dead trying to get some kind of rile out of him and then he just walks away and then he like runs all the way down sees that she's alive and then he just turns and they like do a profile shot on the guy and he's like that guy that man's psychotic and then it cuts to (laughs) all of them laughing and alan tudyk just being like you're psychotic man (laughs) and it's i just don't know i like that was the one part where i actually verbally laughed out loud when it happened so i just i like that part oh man 
that sounds that sounds funny. I didn't see that part <laughs> when I skimmed through. <laughs> I did see Alan Tudyk's introduction where he's playing with the dinosaurs, and I thought that was pretty funny. That's fair. Yeah, that's good. So I just was like, I'll make that my favorite part, knowing that I'm not going to watch this whole episode. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I turned it on at like 1 a.m. last night, hoping to watch the full thing and just oh, stay. Oh, God, no. And I was just too tired. I mean, I did watch this in two parts. I w- tried turning it on like pretty much after I'd settled after getting back from my flight. And then I like fell asleep partway into it. And the next thing I knew, Friends was on the TV. So I had to go back <laughs> and watch it. The rest of it. Uh, I watched a little more of it last night and then I finished it this yeah, morning. So I feel that. But yeah. Um, least favorite part is it's funny. This is like a theme for me between the two episodes. I, I just like the fucking sister that's supposed to put like supposedly this gifted person is annoyingly <laughs> helpless like she's <laughs> helpless. supposed to be like this thing this person this brilliant thing that like the feds are at like all these people are supposedly after and i know that i haven't watched the rest of the show so i have no idea how she develops but like in this episode i'm like can she be a little less useless if she's supposed to be this awe amazing person i just like I hate when they make the female characters just so painfully useless. Oh, yeah. Because they, they kind of did the similar thing with the girl that got shot. The only, like, decent female character is Alan Tudyk's wife. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you have three women in here, and you're only going to make one of them, like, useful? It's just like, uh, one just... Of them is, only one of them is going to be competent. Yeah, and it's like not even like it's just so it's funny because I don't usually have those issues with things like this because I can like find the logic in it. But it's like even the logic of the sister like recovering from whatever she's fucking recovering from. It's like doesn't she's just it. it doesn't make up for how positively useless she is. <laughs> like when the brother jumps over the thing and knocks <clears throat> the guy out and the guns on the ground and she doesn't go and grab it. It's like, come on, fucking do something. But yeah, so that that was my least favorite part. Um, I'm inclined to say what you just said is my mm-hmm. least favorite part for unknown reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did okay. There was this. There was that part where the brother is talking about how his sister's actually an absolute genius, mm-hmm. and it that whole scene just felt again. I didn't watch the before and after, but in skimming through it, that whole scene just fell out of place. Yeah, no, that's fair. And it's also like it it isn't. It isn't because they're like he's kind of trying to explain why he like why they shouldn't fucking, you know, drop them off and kill them. But But he also like the tone of the scene fell out of place. Oh, I agree with that. It felt super somber almost. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Like. Like, I know I'm not watching this full episode, but, like, none of the what I've been watching leads to any part of this being this super somber, like, oh, shit, like, we got to get real, guys. Like, yeah. this guy isn't well-known, obviously. And he's, mm-hmm. like, about to cry in front of these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. It just totally felt, it felt out of place in that, in that. And it was just, like, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense. That's In valid. the tone of it. Yeah. I feel um, that. So yeah. yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that it wasn't like that. You weren't like, oh, actually, they yeah, it's Chase. It's amazing. Way off. It's actually no, like, like that scene. Yeah. If you watch it, is actually just 
oh, Oscar worthy. No, no. <laughs> and listen, Joss Whedon is an amazing writer, amazing you know, creator, producer, especially after reading kind of the article and the interview I read about him and with him. Like, I, I have a lot more respect for him. It's not like I didn't respect the guy earlier. It's just like, I, I just, he's not bad at what he does. Mm-hmm. And clearly a lot of people love this show. But like Noodle Stars wise, for me, it's like this, in reality, for the things I like and like the the level of stuff I enjoy, this should be a show I like. And it was incredibly difficult for me to watch this show all the way through this episode. It just didn't hit for me. And I, because of that, I gave it a three and it's like, yeah, I, I mean, know that like, sorry, I just no, no, finishing go, go my thought real quick. I was about to interrupt you. No, you go. It's just like, I know that it was kind of screwed over and it probably had a better chance for all these things, but it's just like, even if this had been the pilot episode and I did watch it in 2002, I don't think I would want to keep watching it. Like I, I really don't. And for me, it's like, I love the original start, like not the original Star Trek. I love Star Trek Next Generation. It's like, to me, it's like, this should fit. This fits right under the bill of things that I like. And mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't for me. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to say, ditto. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a big sci-fi shows kind of person, you know, mm-hmm. like I love, I I do like dramas in that sense. And I do, I mean, I, I love, um uh fucking the orville but like yeah that's more of a like you know i love it's less about uh, the sci-fi and more about it's the comedy and of it um so this isn't my type of show in the same sense that doctor who isn't so i was inclined even even though i didn't watch it i was inclined to give it three out of seven Mm -hmm. you know I, i i had a feeling i wouldn't enjoy it anyways yeah that's fair I mean, even and even with Doctor Who, like I said, like it just it it wasn't boring to me. Like there were things I didn't like about the episode, but I could see myself actually watching more of the show or even other renditions of it, like the David Tennant one. But like you were hanging out with my sister and she was like, oh, can we watch some Doctor Who? You'd be like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'm like, that's fine. I'm interested. I have no idea that with Doctor Who, (laughs) I don't think I could watch an episode with the Daleks in it. With who? The Daleks, which is like the mortal enemy of the Doctor. And oh, it's okay. Like these like these like dumb robots. <laughs> That's fair. Like these dumb little Hoover vacuum type robot looking things. They're I I don't know. I think they're supposed to be dumb. I yeah. don't really – I don't know much about the show. Some of that whole. stuff people really enjoy, like the concept of like – taking junky looking things and making them seem like you i am not one of those people that particularly likes that stuff anymore or ever if i'm being honest but like yeah yeah i think that's probably another thing about firefly that i'm like (laughs) these guys are this far in the future they have literal spaceships and the man it has a revolver around his hip Like, and I know they kind of, some of them, when they do the close-ups on the weapons, they look more futuristic, but even still, it's just like, oh, come on. Just can't get into it. Yeah. It just does not attract me. Again, Joss Whedon, great, great creator, super smart guy. I like a lot of his stuff. I just, uh, yeah, not, not this. Sorry. Sorry, Firefly fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, as, as a whole, um, 
I mean, these like, I I was expecting these shows to be a lot more similar, but watching Doctor Who, I got more um, Twilight Zone vibes. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't know if that's because it's black and white or just no. The but story was concept sort of, of it like, felt very Twilighty. Yeah, it felt Twilight-y, like the setup, the payoffs of it. Yeah, it was very Twilighty vibes. And Firefly is just not that. And maybe the newer <laughs> no. Doctor Who is something more along the lines of what Firefly is. I just, in my head, I was thinking that these shows would be a lot more similar than they are. I don't know Same. why. I had no, I had no prior uh, conception of either of them that would lead me to believe that. I think the biggest reason we actually ended up picking these, if I recall, is that we knew they were both sci-fi. And we knew that Firefly was uh, had a super short run and that Doctor Who has been on for fucking ever. That was yeah. kind of another reason why we actually ended up picking these together. True. Less of like their shows would be similar, but more so why is Doctor Who so successful and been on as long as it has and why was Firefly not. like not? So, yeah. Yeah. Which honestly, I feel like we got kind of like the, the journeys of these shows are different enough that it totally makes sense why Firefly got canceled and why Doctor Who is still on. The journey so. of the creators is is somewhat similar. Somewhat similar, yeah. I mean, in such drastically different eras. Neither of, made it, <laughs> neither of them had a good relationship with Hollywood, considering that yeah. Sidney Newman just couldn't get a fucking visa, visa yeah. <laughs> to work for the Walt Disney Company. I mean, I imagine <clears throat> what the Walt Disney Company would look like with Cindy, Sidney Newman starting there. Yeah, like, just know. imagining like what he did and like how aggressive he was with his career path you know like in constantly I feel like he would have gotten bored creating divisions at certain places like yeah but like breaking mold like like he was truly breaking the mold in a lot of ways for drama in television um once it became a thing but like but i don't like, think he would have gotten would, that opportunity had he been at disney that's possible right like obviously we wouldn't have Doctor Who, mm-hmm. because that was a very specific like the that's the other thing is like like there's a bunch of times in the past where we've talked about um, creators of shows going like well I wanted to create this sh- type of show for a long time and I didn't know I didn't it didn't matter where I went like if that person had stayed at one network or gone to another that show would have been created eventually mm-hmm. whereas Doctor Who was very time and place like hey we need a show to fill this time slot for bbc yeah let's let's make one yeah and like because of the things they wanted the demographic of people they wanted it to yeah. hit just is to why it became what it became so totally yeah true and yeah and actually in the exact opposite of firefly they gave sydney newman every opportunity to do well by giving him the most like by creating something that would Ha- that would touch all of those audiences and mm-hmm. having a time slot in a peak time viewership slot. Yep. Very true. Uh, that was perfect for that success. The exact yeah. opposite of Firefly in that regard of what Fox did. Yeah. It's just so interesting. It truly does. Like your theory truly does feel like it fits the best. And the fact that like both Fox and Joss Whedon knew that this was going to be a one, one off season. Yeah. And because of it, like it just, inevitably set it up for that no matter what totally so yeah very interesting interesting stuff i love it i love it i love finding out this stuff i know it's very fun 
it's quite enjoyable. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate every one of you for taking the time to do so. If you don't currently, be sure to follow us on your podcasting platform of choice as well as on Instagram at Back to the Pilot so you know when a new episode gets released. And if you enjoyed listening, leave a review and let us know how we're doing. Next time, it's all about sitcom classics with Brady Bunch and I Love Lucy. We hope you enjoyed being here and we'll see you next time when we take you Back to the Pilot. So long, everyone. Crushed it. Nailed it. Boom. Boom. Roasted. I was at, um, <clears throat> I was at, I went to the, I went to the store recently mm-hmm. and I was checking, I was wearing my back to the pilot hoodie and oh, nice. I was checking out and the lady just said, uh, oh man, I haven't said that phrase in a long time. <laughs> back <laughs> to the pilot? No, like boom, nailed it on the front of the jacket. Oh, the the I forgot it's on the front. I was yeah. thinking the lo- the logo is on the back of the sweatshirt. That's right. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> so the front said boom nailed and she pointed at it. She's like, man, haven't said that phrase in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.